you fantastical weirdos, and welcome to the Weirdoverse. I'm your host, J.D. Ross, and you are tuned into Weirdwide, your favorite digital cult. I uh, do apologize for uh, missing a week last week. Sorry about that. If everybody everybody was looking forward to the episode, uh, did not deliver. Unfortunately, that is my fault. Uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. Sometimes there's just, you know, a little bit of, you know, mental illness, you, you know, just even gets me man it just drags me down a little bit and uh you know so i decided to take a week off worked on some of the background stuff that i've been neglecting uh so you'll actually be able to see the fruits of all those labors soon enough uh if you go to the new official website for weirdwide www.weirdwide.com there you can find every single episode that's ever been released uh working on some other stuff by the time you guys are hearing this i should have some of the other stuff up like uh, some of the things to help support the show uh you know there's a buy me a coffee section there's a uh, cash app thing you know just different things like that eventually i'll be putting a patreon up uh even looking at some merch options down the road uh but uh so i i'm pretty excited that weird wide does have a new home on the interwebs so go check that out like i said you can check out every episode that weird wide's released you can subscribe and get episodes sent directly to you uh it's it's fucking awesome so check that out i think it looks pretty cool personally so go check it out let me know what you think you know if you like the new design of the website uh email me at uh, weirdwidepodcast at gmail.com but enough of that. You didn't come to hear me talk about how great the new website is. Uh, you heard you came for the weird and the weird I shall deliver. So today we are diving into a dark and twisted time in the medical field. Uh, a time that seemed like a giant horror show when it came to medicine. It was the time of, of the, the lobotomy. lobotomy. Now, before I drive an ice pick of weirdness straight into your brain, let's check in with everyone's favorite little disembodied alien, Larry. Larry, what do you think, my friend, about lobotomy? After spending time on this rock you unevolved monkeys call home, I'm kind of at the point where I think we need to bring lobotomies back. Oh, so you're pro-lobotomy. Your species is straight up dumb. A lot of you need to have your brains messed with. A controversial opinion, to say the least. But, is Larry wrong? Weirdwidepodcast.gmail.com, let me know what you think. Alright, that's enough of that! Let's get all of you out there in Weirdo Land lobotomized! Alright, so let's start off with, like, what what actually is a lobotomy? Like, I feel like it's one of those things where, like, everybody has heard the term before. Maybe not sure that everyone really even totally understands what's happening with a lobotomy. I would say most people know that a lobotomy has something to do with your noggin, has something to do with your brain, and uh, some doctors doing some fucked up shit in it. And that's true. So a lobotomy is a surgical procedure in which the nerve pathways in a lobe of the brain are severed from those in other areas. So basically, you're like cutting off parts of the brain to other parts of the brain. Doctors would perform this procedure on people with conditions such as schizophrenia and depression. Uh, and at, at the time, there just wasn't any, uh, you know, any other effective or widely available treatment for those conditions. This was uh, this was a weird time. This was, you know, they, they didn't really, you know, they knew a lot, but they also didn't. You know, a lot of like the modern advancements that we take for granted today just weren't available. Now, lobotomy was extremely dangerous. Like this is like, you know, there's no joke here. Like, like, while, of course, I would say that, like, you know, I'm no medical historian, so I don't know. I mean, if I do feel like the lobotomy as a thing does like fit well into like where we are now, we had to go through that process to get here. Uh, but literally think of the most horrific medical setting in the modern era, like almost like cartoonishly over the top terrifying, like think like insane asylums and mad doctors, shit like that. Doctors that didn't seem like doctors, but more like, you know, 
more like Victorian era villains it almost comes off as. Now, lobotomies rose to prominence at the end of an era in medicine known as therapeutic nihilism, which is a period throughout like the 19th century where doctors were under the assumption that most of the ills that patients suffered could not be treated at all. Like they literally were like, that can't be done. Like imagine the implications of that it's just this like weird culture of completely checked out doctors. Hello there. I'm Dr. Nihilist. We understand that you've come in today to see us about your broken arm and possible insanity. And we would just be tickled pink if we could help you with those ailments this fine day. Unfortunately, we are unable to treat any ailments at all. So hopefully the broken arm is not your dominant, as it will remain broken for the remainder of your days. As far as your insanity goes, you'll be just fine. Unless, of course, you become annoying to those around you, at which point you'll be promptly placed in a straitjacket and thrown into a rubber room where you won't be able to bother good normal folk who've had to put up with your nutty behavior. That'll be $5,000. All right, look at that. We have, I don't feel like we haven't debuted a new character for a while. Uh, I, I, you know, just totally off topic here. I should have mentioned this uh, up top. This is actually our 30th episode. Uh, so yay for us. Golf clap for us. All right, back to lobotomies. So how was a lobotomy actually done? So in what seems like the most insane mad scientist procedure that I've ever heard, the lobotomy was done by literally drilling two holes into a patient's head and then it, originally injecting pure ethyl alcohol into the prefrontal cortex, which like, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but like, I just feel like shooting pure alcohol into a dude's brain, probably not going to be that good for him. I don't know, though. What do I know? I don't have a degree in medicine. I don't. Don't listen to me about, you know, I don't. I don't have a fucking degree in medicine, so don't don't listen to me about anything medical. If I don't, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, legitimately, like, when it comes to that, like, as far as doctors go. Now, the lobotomy was later upgraded, so to speak. Uh, they would still drill the two holes in your noggin, uh, but then they would use an instrument similar to an ice pick called a leucotome. Uh, lobotomies were originally called leucotomies. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that. I'm probably butchering that. Like I said, we truly take modern medicine for granted in society these days. Like this was at one point touted as like a miracle medical procedure. Uh, it's not like all the centuries leading up to this were any better because they weren't. But this is still just like this. This was like, you know, after all that, this was like, wow, like we're getting somewhere. Like yeah, we're drilling holes in people's head. Like check that shit out. Yeah. Let's get on that train. Hmm. Okay, so at this point, we've drilled holes into a living, breathing human's head. What were we going for at this point? Now, the main purpose of a lobotomy was to try to medically calm a patient with a variety of mental illnesses. Schizophrenia, manic depression, bipolar, mania, which was actually, uh, mania was just kind of a catch-all term that was later like reclassified as bipolar disorder, as, like, as medical science advanced beyond this nonsense. So, like, literally, we're talking about, like, like you know, like, things in the mo that we talk about in the modern age where, like, someone's got, like, like extreme depression. Their idea at the time was, well, if she's depressed, we'll just draw two holes in her head. The patient is extremely sad. It's time to drill holes. 
All right, now you got to remember here too, like they're going in and they're fucking with the prefrontal cortex, which is part of the brain, uh, from what I understand, that controls executive functions such as planning, decision ma- decision making, working memory, uh, personality expression, uh, moderating social behavior, and controlling certain aspects of speech and language. So this isn't like a minor part of the brain that they're just going in and stabby stabbing. They're like literally taking certain things away, like. Your actual like like personality and how you express it is going to be affected through this procedure. Now, historically, patients of the lobotomy were uh, immediately following surgery, often in a stuporous, confused, and incontinent state. No shit. Some developed an enormous appetite and gained like a ridiculous amount of weight. Like some people got like like bottomless pit. And they just fucking ballooned the fuck out from everything they were eating. They just could not, like, their their brain was not sending the right signals to actually stop eating. Uh, another complication that was really common were uh, seizures. Uh, this was, like, extremely common after the surgery. And there was also kind of an emphasis on having to, like, retrain patients in the weeks and months following the surgery. Like, retraining them, sometimes in everyday you know, use. There are some examples where people regress back to, like, extreme childhood and they had to be retaught how to like tie their shoes how to you know use a fork different things like that uh not surprisingly many patients died due to the procedure on uh, the many that survived uh showed a lot of negative impa- effects like uh, inability to function independently uh decreased initiative and a total detachment from society none of that surprises me at all like this just seems like yeah if you go in and you mess with the brain that's the kind of effect you could have on on somebody doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, one of the doctors who we're going to be talking about here in a little bit, uh, who was extremely prevalent in the field, called the procedure surgically induced childhood. That's some fucked up shit. Okay, so who first decided to lobotomize? So the original doctor who is credited as the pioneer of the lobotomy is a uh, Portuguese neurologist named Antonio Igas Moniz. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I hope I did. Now, a lot of doctors dabbled in the ballpark of lobotomies leading up to it, like a guy named Bur- uh, Gottlieb Burkhart. Uh, he kind of dipped his toe in in the late 1800s, uh, or is it 1900? 1888. Uh, yeah, 1888. Uh, and some of the American doctors tried it on chimps, but it wasn't really pioneered until, uh, until Antonio in the mid-1930s. Uh, Antonio Igas Moniz is a truly creepy bastard. Like everybody who's watching on YouTube, you can see, uh, you know, they got a picture of him up here. Uh, but you know, it, it's just like, if you're, if you're just listening on Apple or Spotify or something, like look this guy up when you get a chance. Don't, if you're driving your car, don't do it right now. Like wait till you're parked. Like it's not that important, but like, look this guy up, Antonio Igas Moniz, creepy looking motherfucker. Like he looks like exactly the type of creepy, like, like older doctor older like era doctor that would suggest something like a lobotomy like it looks like something we should do we should cut into the brain what do you think about cutting into the brain a little bit now monez wasn't able to actually do the procedure himself as he actually was affected harshly by gout which i do understand i've had that myself and it's no fun never had it in the hands though that sounds like it would suck apparently monez had it in the hands i've had it in the foot i've had it in the elbow one time that's a weird fucking situation like Honestly, I've eaten entirely too much like shrimp and shellfish and crabs and sometimes beer throughout my my days, and it it, it it's no fun. Do not get the gout. It, it don't, don't get, get the, the gout. gout. Uh, so I do feel for this guy. You know, he's not able to really go in and do it himself. That shit is debilitating. Like I said, I can't even imagine that in your hands, dude. 
Ugh. So he enlisted the help of a surgeon named Pedro Almeida Lima to help him with the actual procedures. He would kind of direct him, and Pedro would go in and do it. Good for Pedro. The surgery, uh, like I said, consisted of drilling two holes in the patient's head and then injecting the pure ethyl alcohol into the prefrontal cortex. Uh, at the time, uh, when they first started this, it was considered a major success uh, since there appeared to be a reduction in the symptoms of severe uh, paranoia and anxiety that the patient had suffered prior to the surgery. So uh, they weren't wrong. It was kind of a success considering what they were going for. They were ultimately looking to remove the symptoms the guy was showing, and they seem to have done that. So, yeah, I mean, golf clap for Mona is in Lima. Yeah. So uh, and Lima subsequently performed the operation on a small subset of patients, refining the procedure as they went, you know, like, ah, we, what if, what can we do better? You know, through that process, Moniz created a instrument called a leucotome, leucotome designed specifically to disrupt the tracks of the neuronal fibers connecting the prefrontal cortex and thalamus of the brain. Is everybody with me on that? We're going to disrupt the tracks of the neuronal fibers connecting the prefrontal cortex and thalamus of the brain. Who to thunk you can come to this weird ass podcast, right? And you can get a science lesson. Didn't even, wasn't even part of the plan, but you got a science lesson. How much fun is that? How much fun is that? Can I get ahead of you? Amonis and Lima operated on nearly 40 patients by 1937. Uh, but the results were mixed. You know, a lot of the patients were improving, but, uh, you know, a good amount were showing no change in symptoms and others were even relapsing. So, like, they were going through this horrific procedure that one person at one point has described as because someone as someone who survived it, they asked how it felt. And it was described as a broomstick handle being pushed through your brain and splitting your skull open. Uh, so some people literally went through that process for no fucking reason, just literally to go back to being anxious, mood swingy, whatever the problem was that the people had. Uh, despite all this, the practice was soon widely accepted, largely because there were a th uh, few therapeutic me there were very few therapeutic measures available at the time uh, for quieting chron chronically agitated, delusional, self-destructive, or violent patients. This was literally just about like people being annoyed at people who were having symptoms, like like people who had like severe schizophrenia because it was a horror show for medicine and for mental health at the time. People were working on it, but it's nowhere near the awareness level that we are today. Uh, you know, this is the 1930s. So, you know, they're literally just like looking for a way to quiet some people down. Like these people that are just like, like that would be considered loonies or just like crazy people. They're just like, we need to quiet these fucking people down. What if we stab them in the brain with an ice pick? But like clinically, that's literally, I mean, that's literally what happened here. So while Moniz and Lima pioneered the process, it wasn't until Walter Freeman and his colleague James Watts got involved with the whole thing that it was improved, so to speak. Uh, it was adopted and perfected by American mad scientists, like I said, Walter Freeman and James Watts. Watts didn't stick around very long. He didn't seem to agree with a lot of Freeman's methods. From what I understand, though, Freeman, Walter Freeman thought that Antonio Moniz was an absolute genius. Like he saw, he saw this procedure 
and fell in love with it medically. Like it was like, it was like, this is what I'm meant to do. Like, so he jumped on board and went right to work. Apparently Watts had some issues with like some of the early stuff, like early planning and uh, things like that, where he was like, there was like a lot of like uh, a non-sterile environments. And Watts was like, this is, this is too much for me. I don't like this. So Watts didn't last long. He did participate a bit, but he didn't last long. Uh, Freeman was actually the uh, one to refer to it as the lobotomy. Uh, originally, like I said, it was called a le- leucotomy. Uh, I'm not pronouncing that right. Le- le- leucotomy? I-, I don't know. Lobotomy sounds better. It does sound better, though, doesn't it? Like, it's like, I think that's like, like Watts or uh, Freeman seemed to have this like kind of weird understanding for marketing, at least this this very niche situation. He, you know, he, he immediately went to call it a transorbital lobotomy. That sounds better. You know, the use of the lobotomy, like that Freeman was pushing, it was originally like, you know, very resisted, very criticized by American neurosurgeons. But Freeman managed to like promote the success of the surgery through the media. So Freeman did this like media campaign where he's like touting a lobotomy as this like miracle procedure, which captured the attention of the public, obviously. So, you know, he he kind of did like understand branding, at least for the lobotomy, which, you know what? I mean, like that's that's pretty wild. This guy like literally just like coined and and just like almost, you know. This guy is the guy behind the lobotomy, basically. So Freeman streamlined the procedure in which uh, a pick-like instrument was forced through the back of the eye sockets to pierce the thin bone that separates the eye sockets from the frontal lobe. Fuck, that sounds horrific. Uh, The pick's point was inserted into the frontal lobe and used to sever the connections in the brain, presumably between, like I said, the prefrontal cortex, the prefrontal cortex and the thalamus. Uh, In 1946, Freeman performed this procedure for the very first time on a live patient uh, who was subdued uh, to prior to the operation with electroshock therapy. Uh, Let's talk about shock treatment here. That was uh, one of the main things that they would do here is uh, it's, you know, electroshock, you know, like, again, this is another one of those things that like falls under like almost cartoon like as far as like like an actual procedure, like, but you got to actually stop and think this was a real medical procedure. They didn't used to knock you out with like anesthesia and an IV. Like, you know, you're going to just go nice to sleep and we're going to operate. No, they literally would like, they would put two fucking things by your ears and shock your fucking noggin. And uh, you would basically, uh, what it would do uh, is it would like send an electric shock like current through an electric current through your brain and it would cause a brief surge of electrical activity and would make your brain literally see like make you go into a fucking seizure and then it would be just zap and operate that like that's literally like that's a real thing shock treatment used to be a real actual use for anesthesia how fucking insane is that freeman's method was done very quickly sometimes in less than 10 minutes uh, it was used on patients with relatively minor med- mental disorders. That's another reason that uh, Freeman got, you know, as as kind of notorious as he did. A uh, large amount of the uh, you know procedures that he performed because he did a lot of them. Uh, he did thousands of uh, lobotomies himself. He either like did them himself or supervised in the time that he was active with this, and a lot were for really low grade shit. It was very questionable stuff. 
A large uh, proportion of uh, lobotomized patients uh, exhibited reduced tension or agitation, but also showed other effects like apathy, passivity, lack of initiative, poor ability to concentrate, and a generally decreased depth of like intensity in their emotional responses to life. So like literally making zombies surgically like these like just imagine like imagine just the most checked out you've ever seen a person that's kind of what they're going for here uh now obviously like the original procedure uh you know some died because of this style as well uh but those effects weren't very widely reported uh and at the time when they were doing it they were just going for shit but long-term effects were largely unknown Lobotomies were performed on a wide scale during the 1940s, like I said, with Freeman himself uh, performing or supervising more than 3,500 lobotomies by the late 1960s. Uh, the practice did gradually fall out of favor starting in the mid 50s uh, when like antipsychotics, and antidepressants and other mo- medications started that were much more effective in treating mental illnesses started to come onto the market. And that's pretty much where it is. You know, it pretty much fizzled out from there. Uh, you know, like it, it was like, for a while, a while longer, there were some holdouts, but like mostly it became almost overnight, a very obsolete procedure and then began to be kind of made fun of on its own with, you know, like the, like, you know, in cartoons and you know, media, different things like that. Lobotomy became almost a joke. Uh, there were some famous cases though. Uh, one of the most interesting I found was uh, Rosemary Kennedy. Uh, Cause even the rich aren't like safe from this miracle procedure. Uh, this was the Kennedy's oldest daughter. The Kennedy's as in JFK uh, was uh, she was apparently very difficult to control, especially after living a few years abroad. When she came back, they said she was a bit of a different person. Uh, she had mood swings or she'd fly into violent rages and just start attacking anyone who, who got in her way. Uh, she's kicked out of a summer camp for her behavior. And she only lasted a few months at a boarding school because of all this, all this stuff. So Joe Kennedy, uh, the family patriarch, uh, the one that put RFK and JFK in power positions eventually, uh, was way more concerned with shame and embarrassment that Rosemary was bringing and decided to have her lobotomized. Like this is legitimately this guy looked at his daughter and said, this bitch is too much of an embarrassment. We need to settle her the fuck down. And some doctor was like, have you heard about a lobotomy? Rosemary was 23 and Papa, this, 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 this should piss you off. If, if this, this would piss any, anyone off. Uh, Papa Kennedy had the procedure done without telling mama Kennedy until after. So like he literally took Rosemary and was like, we're going to go to a, uh, you know, we're, we got a, a, a random appointment here. It's just a checkup or some shit. And they literally lobotomized her. Uh, the lobotomy did not go well. Uh, with Rosemary actually regressing to the mental state of a two-year-old, uh, she couldn't walk or speak intelligently, uh, and she was incontinent. And they literally just kind of disappeared her. Like, they threw her into an institution for the rest of her days. And her siblings, like JFK and RFK, they didn't even, like, know what happened to her for, like, decades. Like, the public found out, you know, 20 years or so later but like most of the family didn't even know what had happened to Rosemary. And she just spent her, her life in an institution, just like talking like a two-year-old and shit. It's crazy. Like that's one of the most powerful families ever. And like, look at that. I mean, like the curse of the Kennedys is so true. I mean, nothing good happens to anyone in that family. Like, you know, Rosemary, like legitimately just got fucking like got her head fucked with and then just sent away when they didn't, when they couldn't deal with it. It's 
fucking insanity. Uh, another crazy one is this guy named Howard Dully. Uh, this one's wild because he's actually still alive. Uh, he was 11 and he had a stepmother who seemed like a bit of a ball buster. Uh, his stepmom, Lou, uh, she was described as cold and demeaning and did not like that Howard would leave candy wrappers around and daydream sometimes. Uh, she was just like really annoyed. Like she did not like Howard from what I could tell. Uh, he was often beaten and abused, which, you know, not good. Uh, and then one day uh, the father and the stepmom took him to see Dr. Freeman. Howard described him as warm, personable, easy to get along with. Like definitely didn't get like a threat vibe from him. Uh, but Freeman ultimately diagnosed Howard with schizophrenia. And at 1.30 p.m. on December 16th in 1960, uh, Howard was wheeled into a operating theater and given a series of electroshocks to sedate him. That was about as much as he remembered. He woke up the next day feeling like a zombie. His eyes were swollen and bruised. Uh, the procedure cost about $200, and Howard was not only the youngest ever person to receive a lobotomy, but also to survive. Uh, and, you know, you wouldn't expect it. He's actually doing pretty well these days. Uh, he's gone on to be a best-selling author writing his memoir, My Lobotomy. So uh, good for Howard. Uh, that's crazy. You know, I just I can't I, – I'd love to read that book at some point. Definitely got to check that out and you know, see what that's all about because that's got to be just, like, the most fucked up shit, man. Like, I mean – I can't even imagine it. Luckily, lobotomies are a pretty distant memory with, you know, a few occurring into the 1980s. But there really was a period of history where the lobotomy was considered a medical miracle. As mad as the world is today, you know, at the very least, we don't have to worry about a doctor wanting to shove an ice pick into our skull and just hoping for the best. Uh, so that gives me a little bit of comfort. So, yeah. That's where we are with that. Well, thanks for getting weird with me. Uh, don't forget, uh, like I said up top, check out the new website. It's www.weirdwide.com. Like I said, you can check out all the episodes that are available. Uh, you can subscribe. Make sure you know you get uh, you know uh, episodes sent directly to you, plus news that I you know have updates and things like that. Uh, you can get all of my socials. Uh, and there's going to be a lot more. You know, eventually I'm going to have uh, character bios for uh, the different characters of the Weirdoverse on there. Different things like that. So check that out. Uh, let me know what you think. You can email the show at weirdwidepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also get me on Instagram and TikTok at Dudist Weirdo. Uh, so follow me on there. Shoot me a message. Leave me some love. Let me know what you think. Don't forget to tune in next week for more weirdness. And until then, keep it weird. Weird.